If you have your Bible with you, I invite you to turn with me to 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1. Before Advent, we uh, went through 1 Peter, and now we're going to cruise briefly through 2 Peter. And today we're going to read the entirety of 2 Peter chapter 1. Before we read, let's pray. Gracious God, thank you so much for your word. I thank you that it is trustworthy and true. And I pray, Father God, that you'd open it up to us now in the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray especially that your spirit would rest upon me, that I would bring your word to your people today boldly and faithfully to the glory and honor of Jesus. For we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is the second letter of Peter to the, the Christians who are the strangers and aliens, although he doesn't call them that here in the second letter. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from all his former sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able to at any time to recall these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven. For we were with him, on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention, 
as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. I always like at the beginning of the year to ask, you know, what is the Holy Spirit saying to the church? What is the Holy Spirit saying about the nation and about the nations? And so I'm going to spend some time in the month of January talking about some of the things that the Lord is saying. And I'll be doing that not only for our Sunday service, but also for our City of London House of Prayer vision gatherings via Zoom on Thursday nights. So you're welcome to join us for those as well. And in particular today, I wanna to talk about what the Lord is saying to us, particularly at City Temple, but it also includes Chelsea Community Church, because as I said earlier, City Temple has adopted Chelsea. So we've got, it's like we have our arm around them. And, uh, and you know, your children receive the blessings that you have. That's a truth of life. Your children receive your blessings as well. And uh, so Chelsea receives that blessing. So I wanted to talk about what is God saying to us here in 2023? And I asked the Lord about this a few weeks ago, looking ahead to this time. And you know, Lord, what is your word? And I felt the Lord say three, th three words, everything we need that is God's word to City Temple, to Chelsea, everything we need. And it flows from this passage that we read today. It's also why I knew I needed to keep preaching in Peter and finish out uh, Second Peter. God's word is that we will have everything we need. Jesus has given and is giving us everything we need in 2023. Jesus is, has given and is giving us everything we need in 2023. Now, I have a particular translation for verses three and four. It's actually a notoriously difficult passage to translate into English because of the nuance of a lot of the words. And frankly, the ESV irritates me a little bit in this passage, I love the ESV normally, but this particular passage, my apologies to the translator, uh, really irritates me sometimes. And so I wanna give you my own translation for this key passage, verses three and four, which are part of this word to us that Jesus is giving, has given, is giving us everything we need. Here's my translation. Jesus, by his divine power, has bestowed on us from his bountiful grace everything we need for living and godly living through the personal relational knowledge of Jesus who called us by his own glory and personal excellence by which he has bestowed upon us from his bountiful grace, his precious and very great promises so that through the fulfillment of these promises, you may become sharers of the divine nature, 
having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire and longing. That's the word that the Lord is speaking to us. That's the word the Lord is speaking to us for 2023. That's the word the Lord is speaking to you. If you're part here of us, the Lord is communicating this to you. And it's a powerful word. You know, the passage tells us that Jesus is doing this out of his divine power, his divine dunamis, his God dunamis. He is bestowing on us. That word there, uh, sometimes translated as give, is actually a, a word that means that what, is, what we're receiving is a gift of bountiful grace from somebody of importance, from somebody of authority. He is bestowing on us everything, everything we need, all things that pertain, everything, not just some things, but everything we need. Now, not everything we want, but you don't need everything you want. In fact, a lot of things you want, you don't need. And a lot of things we want would probably hurt us, and so you know, God doesn't give it to us. So it's everything that we need, uh, everything that we need for living for our lives, and also for godly living. That is, to, to live as Christians in this world. To live as Christians according to God's will in view of Jesus Christ and his coming. Jesus has given us everything we need for life and for godly living through our relationship with him, through our knowledge of him. And that knowledge is a personal relational knowledge that we have. He's called us through that personal relational knowledge by his own glory and his own moral excellence, his own personal excellence, as he's called us. And out of his own personal excellence and out of his glory, he has bestowed upon us, again, the same word there, the graciously given us, uh, his precious, his costly and honorable and very great promises. The word very great is mega, you know, if, uh, if you, you know, I, I like to have a milkshake, but I really like a mega milkshake because they're really big. You know, mega means huge. We know that. And that's, that's the word. These are mega promises that Jesus has bestowed upon us. Now, what are these promises? Well, he promises us grace. He's promised us the Holy Spirit. He's promised us salvation that begins right now. He's promised us our adoption as sons. He's promised us eternal life. He's promised us genuine hope, not the vacuous hope of the world, but genuine hope that goes on eternally. He's promised us Christian community in union with him. He's promised us a sharing in the new heavens and the new earth. And this is just a few of his promises. Those are mega promises that he has given us. So not only has he given us everything we need for living and for godly living, for living as Christians, he's given us all these great promises by which we can live as well, so that through the fulfillment of these promises, as we walk in his grace, as we're filled with his Holy Spirit, as we experience a new birth of salvation and on and on, the fulfillment of those promises, we become sharers. We have koinonia, the Greek word. We share in his divinity. 
And that's an amazing concept. We are sharers of the divine nature. We're sharers of that nature by our new birth in Christ. We're sharers because God dwells in us by grace through faith. We're sharers because Jesus became like us so that we could become like him. We participate in union with Christ in God's very self. That's our reality through the fulfillment of those promises. And also, we have escaped and we continue to escape from the corruption, the decay that is in the world because of sinful desire. This is what the Lord is speaking to us and he's saying to us here at City Temple and Chelsea Community Church in particular, this is your reality for 2023. This is your reality for 2023. They describe our present reality as well as our future reality. They describe our present reality as well as God's promise for the new year. I mean, these, these verses just pulse with the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? You know, by now, we're not an amen saying church, you know, but uh, by now, I probably should have had three or four amens. Yeah, you know, because if you really understand what God is saying here, what Peter is saying here, it's extraordinary. And it's all because of this faith that we have in Jesus Christ, a faith that Peter said at the beginning is of equal standing with his. Equal standing with the apostles. You know what? There's a lot of times in the world we like to think, oh, well, I'm just a, a little measly Christian. I'm not, you know, I'm not like an apostle or I'm not like a prophet or I'm not like an evangelist or a pastor or a teacher or an elder or the minister or whatever you want to put in there. You know, I'm not. But Peter says, no, that's a lie. Your faith in Christ is of equal standing with the original apostles, according to Peter. That's our reality. That's our reality, and that's the promise. And that's amazing. It's an amazing promise when you really understand it. But, there's always a but, isn't there? We must respond to the promise of these verses. We must respond to the promise of these verses, to Jesus' word to us, here in 2023. If you don't respond, you will not experience the fulfillment. How do we respond? Peter tells us we respond in two ways. There are two things we do to respond to these verses according to Peter. First of all, he says, make every effort to supplement your faith. Make every effort to supplement your faith. Now this idea, make every effort, this involves the intense exertion of your whole self. In other words, if it's, well, you know, I might do that, that's not making every effort. What Peter is calling us to is an exertion, is a commitment. It's make every effort, invest your whole being be intense about it. Make every effort to supplement your faith. And the idea of the word supplement there is to provide at your own expense. 
So in other words, Peter says, hey, we've got the grace. We've got the faith. All of this is, is God's gift through Jesus Christ. We have the very great promises. We have all those promises I mentioned. We have everything we need for living and for living as a Christian, godly living. We have all of this. It's all a gift. It's all come to us by God's grace. Now it's time. You've got to make every effort, and you've got to supplement this with stuff at your own expense. You can't expect God to do it all for you, is what Peter is saying. There are things that we must do as Christians, not for our salvation, not so we're more loved by God, not so that we're more accepted by God, but to walk into the promises that God has for us, to walk into their fulfillment. And if you don't do what God has told you to do, you won't experience the fulfillment of his promises over your life. Uh, it's a bit like uh, a number of years ago, back in 2006. Karen and I, when we moved here, we thought, now we're not going to buy a car. You don't need a car in central London, right? You have all the public transport. And we did really well for a number of years just hiring a car whenever we wanted a car. And then in October 2006, we were in, actually in a queue at the airport taking Kate back to, uh, to the airport to fly back to the States. We were in a queue with Kate. And, uh, and I get this phone call. And a guy says, you know, Rod, I was talking to, I was praying, and the Lord said something to me, and I checked with my wife, and the Lord said exactly the same thing to her, and we want to give you a car. And I'm thinking at the time, I'm not sure I want a, want a car. You know, I said, well, we want to give you our Lexus. I'm still thinking I don't want a car. Uh, but, you know, he said, I, I, I've made it a rule not to turn down a gift. So if any of you have an extra million or so, you know, I won't turn that down. And uh, so we took it, and we got the car. No, but there's a problem. At that stage, when I accepted the car, I didn't have a UK driving license. I didn't have, uh, I didn't have insurance for the car. I didn't have parking for the car. There are a lot of things that I didn't have. Uh, and so I had to make every effort to get my driving license, and thankfully, the insurance company says, well, we'll give you a year, but you gotta get it within that year. So I had to make every effort to get the license, make every effort to pay for the insurance, make every effort to take care of the car, make every effort uh, to get the car serviced, which is, by the way, how I met Jovan's dad. So the fact that Jovan is here is in part due to the fact that somebody gave me a car. Because I met Jovan's dad, and his dad said, I said, can I pray for you? And he said, yeah, I want a bigger shop and uh, pray for my son. And, uh, and I said, okay. And I prayed that he'd have a bigger shop, and now he used to have one little space, and now he's got a huge shop area. And I prayed for his son, and lo and behold, Jovan is here. So hallelujah. So I had to make every effort to supplement this gift of the car with all these other things that go along with it. And that's what Peter is saying here. So you got to make every effort. And he gives us a list of things. And I'll go through them quickly. But these things build on one another. If you don't have the faith, you can't have the excellence, in other words. So they build on one another. That's why we have to make every effort on them. 
So supplement your faith, a faith of equal standing with the apostles, with excellence, with excellence. Now this is personal excellence. It's about your virtue, it's about your morality. But the better word than virtue is the word excellence. So if you got faith, you need to be excellent. And then add to your excellence your knowledge. And knowledge, biblically, is almost always relational and practical. It's the difference between knowing what a spark plug is in an engine and knowing how to repair a spark plug in an engine. It's the difference of knowing what a spark plug is in, a, in an engine and knowing that an electric car doesn't have one. You can have knowledge, but you need to know how to apply that knowledge, and that's what it's all about. And then, on top of the knowledge, you need to add self-control, and that's self-discipline. And that's where many Christians fall, quite frankly. That's the place where many Christians never go further because they want to skip that. And then, to self-discipline, you need to add steadfastness, that's endurance, that's resilience, another place where Christians fall. And then on top of that steadfastness, you need to add godliness. That's what God has said earlier, that it's a gift. It's the same word. It's that Christian way of living according to God's will and in view of Jesus Christ. So there's some effort from us, even though it's been given to us by the grace of God. Then add to that brotherly affection that's caring for others, as demonstrated by your actions. You know, don't tell me you care, show me you care, right? And then add to that love. And so, this is your plan. This is your personal development plan for the year. Make every effort to supplement your faith, if you have faith in Christ, with each one of these things. And you can take it aside and make a plan on this. Because if you are doing this, if you're making every effort to supplement your faith with these qualities, then Peter says they will prevent you from being lazy or unfruitful as a Christian. If you're doing this stuff, you're going to be involved in God's will and God's kingdom advancement. And you will bear fruit, I guarantee you. That's what Peter is saying. And he says, now without these qualities, you're nearsighted. You're so nearsighted, you might as well be blind. And this is not a time in the world history to be blind. This is not a time for us to have our eyes closed. We need to be alert. This is not a time for us to forget that we've been cleansed from sin so that we don't have to wallow in the sin of the world. So here's the promise. The first thing that we have to do, each of us, is make every effort to supplement our faith with these things. Then he says there's a second thing. And that is, you have to be diligent and zealous to confirm your calling and election. Now, the word confirm is a legal term. It means to prove something in a legal sense. Uh, we used to say, back many, many years ago, said, if you were put on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? If you were put on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Do you actually live in a way that 
clearly shows what you believe, who you follow. You actually live in a way, if you look at your life, it always shows what you believe and who you follow. That's what Peter says. Be diligent, be zealous to prove your calling and election. Now those two words, calling and election, they're very close to one another, but calling is your personal call to Jesus Christ. Election is our corporate call to Jesus Christ. That's how you understand briefly the distinction between the two. You were called as an individual to follow Jesus, but when you were called as an individual to follow Jesus, you were brought into the community of faith, the larger body of Christ, and you were elected as God's people. And so we have to confirm not only that, hey, I'm a personal follower of Jesus, but also that I'm committed in the context of community to follow Jesus Christ. Both of these things need to be confirmed. Both of these things need to be confirmed. Frankly, over the years, we've had many different members of City Temple, of other churches that I've pastored, and I've had some of those members come to church, and I've had people who've been coming regularly say, who was that guest we had today? Oh, no, they're not a guest. They've been here for 10 years. Well, hi, why haven't I seen them in the last five? You know, and that's the truth. A lot of people don't confirm their election. And you have to do that if you want to receive the fulfillment of the promise. Be diligent to confirm your calling and your election. He says you've got to practice these qualities. That's the best way to do it. Practice those qualities he just mentioned because you won't stumble and fall if you do. And as you practice the qualities, they provide for you a doorway into Jesus' eternal kingdom, a kingdom that begins right now. Now, I think always when you talk about the kingdom in the New Testament, there's always a tension. The kingdom is here now, but the kingdom is not already here in its fullness. And so I think Peter is not saying here that if you do these nice qualities, that suddenly you'll get to go to heaven. It's not about going to heaven. It's about being part of God's eternal purposes, his kingdom rule that begins in this world and extends into the new world, into the new heavens and earth that we've been promised. And so Peter is saying here that if you want to share in God's kingdom advancement, if you want to see the miracles, if you want to see the great things happen, if you want to experience the blessings and also be a blessing to the world, then you need to be growing in these qualities. You need to be confirming your calling and election, proving it, and you need to be supplementing your faith, making every effort to do so with these qualities that he's listed. And that is how we have to respond this year to the promises of God. The promises are 100% grace. And the good news is that even God's grace activates our response. So if you say, God, I don't know if I can do that. God says, just take a step forward. My grace will come over you because that's what Jesus promised. My spirit will come into you in union with Christ. You can do this. You can make the effort. You can confirm your calling and election. You can do these things. That's the promise. But frankly, you'll only do it. We can only respond as we have confidence in Jesus and Jesus' ways.
That's what Peter goes on to say. You know, he says, here's the promise. Here's how you got to respond to the promise. But you know what? You're only going to be able to do that if you have confidence in Jesus and his ways. How do we do that? Well, first of all, Peter says, I'm going to keep reminding you of the reality here. And I'm going to do that as your minister. I'm going to keep reminding you of this reality, of this promise. But we also need to keep reminding ourselves. It's one of the big reasons you come to church. Now, on most Sundays, I don't expect you to learn anything new. And on most Sundays, my desire is not to try to teach you something new. On most Sundays, I'm desiring to remind you of what you should already know so that you will live in it. And you come so that you can be reminded. Because frankly, it's, it's, coming to church is about looking in a mirror, right? After you stop looking in a mirror, you quickly forget what you look like. If you stop coming to church, you quickly forget who you are. And the church can help be a mirror of who you are in Christ. Or it can help be a mirror of how you need to repent, which may be why some people don't come. So we have to remind ourselves, and we need to remind each other. That's why we need each other in the church. But then Peter goes on and says, it's not just that. He says, essentially, remember that your faith is based on those who have sacrificed their lives. Peter says, I've laid my life down for this. You can have confidence and Jesus and his ways, because I've laid my life down for it. I've laid my life down for it. But, frankly, we all know a lot of people who lay their lives down for stupid stuff, right? We've seen that happen many, many times. So just because you have a few people willing to give their lives doesn't actually prove something. So Peter says, well, it doesn't stop there. He says, remember that your faith is based on eyewitness testimony. And not just one or two, a multitude of eyewitness testimonies. Paul said there were over 500 people that saw Jesus after he rose from the dead. Many of those were still alive at the time the Bible was being written. So we've got eyewitness testimonies. We were, Karen and I were walking up in Islington uh, a week or so ago, and we walked by uh, this shop that had a quote from Muhammad Ali, who was Muslim. Uh, and the shop owner came out and engaged us in conversations and said, uh, and I forget the quote, and, uh, but the point of the whole story is, I said, well, you know, we're Christians, and, he, and so we believe that Jesus Christ, you know, we believe in Jesus. And he said, well, so do the Muslims. And, you know, I, I didn't want to, I wasn't in the mood to argue, you know, I was in a festive spirit. So we just blessed him and moved on. Because, you, you know, you get that feeling when people's hearts are hard and they won't listen. And that was the case with this guy. He already thought he knew everything. So it's hard to tell somebody like that that they know, need to know anything. And, uh, but you know, my retort, I wanted to make my retort, yeah, the only problem with that is that what the Muslims are trying to teach was 600 years after Jesus was alive. Now, I don't know about you. Are you gonna believe what somebody who witnessed the event tells you? Are you gonna believe what somebody tells you 500 years later happened. For me, I'm going with the eyewitnesses. 
That's where my confidence is. It's in the eyewitness testimony. That's what Peter says. He says, remember people of sacrifice, but remember that your faith is based on eyewitness testimony. And finally, remember that your faith is based on the fulfillment and confirmation of prophecies in the Bible. Now, I tell you, the only thing that gets me more than eyewitness testimonies is if somebody tells me 500 years before something happens that it's going to happen, and it actually happens. Now, that's pretty impressive. And if I have a book that has several dozen prophecies that tell me hundreds of years, like Jesus is going to be born in Bethlehem. How did he know? Tells me that Jesus is going to die on the cross. How does he know? And you have multitude of prophecies that didn't come by any human effort. It came by the grace of God. God was moving. God was speaking. And so Peter is saying, have confidence. You can make every effort to supplement your faith. You can uh, be diligent to confirm your calling and your election because you can have confidence in Jesus and his ways because there's billions of people who today are reminding themselves of what Jesus has done because there's millions of people who have sacrificed their lives for this to happen because there's hundreds and hundreds, even thousands of people who were eyewitnesses and because there's dozens and dozens of prophecies that pointed to the way. And so we can have confidence and we can live it out. And that's the promise and that's the word. I was listening to the Lord a couple days after he spoke and, and I felt like the Lord was saying this. This is a quote. The word, everything we need, is generally true for all my people, but it will be specifically, especially applicable to City Temple in the new year. These words are true for Chelsea inasmuch as Chelsea is connected to City Temple. You will have everything you need in 2023, and that in abundance. Your people, those who are genuinely devoted to you, will have everything they need. Sit back and watch what I will accomplish. I will give you great favor with others. Your resources will multiply. You will have peace when all around is turmoil. I believe it's God's promise for us. But here's the question for you. How do you need to make every effort to supplement your faith in the year ahead? You ask God the question, he'll show you. He'll tell you. We live by the grace of Jesus, for the glory of Jesus, as the people of God. And we will do so in 2023 by God's grace. Father God, thank you so much for your word. I pray, Lord, that you'd seal it in our hearts. And I pray, Lord, that you'd show us how to respond in obedience. For we love you and honor you. And pray all this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen.